Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs and love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am really honored and excited today. Uh, I'm going to do something a little bit different, starting with this podcast. I have Rod Gordon here. And the next um, podcast is going to be with his fiance, Martina Hughes. And then the third podcast is going to be the two of them together to talk about uh, creating more conscious relationships and partnerships. And Rod and Martina, I talked with them before. They have a beautiful, beautiful relationship and um, they show up and they've done so much work on themselves and they help other people, uh, you know, bring this beautiful awareness and authenticity to all of their interactions. So I'm super honored to have Rod here today to start off this three-part podcast series. Uh, Rod has dedicated his life to transformation and growth. He leads relationships and sexuality workshops with his fiance Martina and supports men and women to cultivate the love, sex, and intimacy they desire. Rod has studied for 30 years in the areas of meditation, tantra, spiritual healing, martial arts, and the art of spiritual and sexual intimacy. Through his dedicated personal practice, Rod has developed a unique capacity for seeing people. He holds space with presence, intuition, and creativity, empowering men and women to create the transformation they seek in their lives. Rod is committed to being of service, deepening his own practice, and fiercely loving his partner. He continues his own study and training with world-class leaders and teachers. And I am so excited. We're going to have an amazing conversation today, Rod. Welcome, Rod Gordon. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Hello. Uh, When I talked to you and Martina, uh, you know, a month ago, I said, I can see why the two of you were drawn to each other. You both have this same beautiful, like, transparency and authenticity and, and real commitment to your own personal growth, as well as to each other's growth in your partnership. So I'm super excited to hear about how that's evolved uh, for, the, for the two of you as a couple and for both of you individually. And I, I actually wanted, I, I start off with a sort of an icebreaker question. And I know that you're going to karate class after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I ask, so I wanted to ask you mm. how karate... Uh, has transformed your life and what it brings to you as far as your own personal growth and development? Mm, Okay. Yeah. Interesting question. Like it's um, martial arts is a really powerful tool, I guess, in terms of like cultivating like specifically masculine qualities, like discipline, focus, concentration, clarity. Like there's a lot of, qualities that get cultivated through the discipline of practicing a martial art so it doesn't Mm -hmm. to me it doesn't matter what the martial art is it's the it's the dedication to the process Mm -hmm. and there's there's lots of other side benefits to um but one of the things that i think is really important about martial arts is the safety that it creates for the people around me like if i'm 
if I have a capacity for, for martial arts, for say for violence with a, a healthy conscious awareness around it, then what happens is if we're out somewhere or even if we're at home, there's a sense of safety that my son can feel, that my partner can feel, that friends can feel being in my presence, which means something relaxes in their nervous system. Something changes in a person's body when they feel safe. And what that does is that opens them up to allow them to feel more, to feel more love, for love to flow through, you know, their body, you through them as a person in a way that it can't if they don't feel that safe. So, so personally, the practice of the, the discipline, the focus, um, I think one of the things about martial arts and meditation is that as men, we have to show up when we don't want to. Like there's a lot of times where I just think, oh, man, I don't want to go to karate today. I'm too tired. It's too mm-hmm. hard. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too whatever. Mm-hmm. Yet in, and it's the same even with meditation. It'd be like, oh, man, I don't want to sit there and be still today. I don't want to meditate. But it's having that disciplined practice of showing up when I don't want to is one of the most powerful tools a man can actually bring to his relationship, to his intimacy in terms of like if when man walks in the door, say, to, to his home and his partner's upset, he feels that. Like often you can feel that before you see before it. Before you see uh, it uh, or hear a, about it. tension in yeah. the air. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, like there's always been that part that, that, that feels that, goes click and goes, oh, man, there's a part of me that wants to get out of here. That doesn't Run, quit. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like oh, women's emotions. Oh, crap, I've got to get out of here. Like, I've got to run. <laughs> and so there's a part of me that's terrified of that. So having that practice of showing up when I don't want to, then my body, my nervous system knows that, oh, I want to run right now. And this is where my partner needs me the most. She needs me to be present. She needs me to bring love to her. Like, and And that's the thing. It's like, in relationship when love and openness compassion sensitivity is most needed it's often not available like in ourselves or in our partners but my partner's hurting so she might be angry or frustrated or sad or scared or having you know a series of whatever emotions like for me I kind of have just one at a time <laughs> it's one emotion <laughs> so like the practice of like feeling my body wanting to run and knowing that, no, I need to show up now. I need to be present. I need to be there. I need to hold her. I need to love her. And I need to be able to bring that love, even though fear is present and I want to run. How do I soften my body, relax, and then open and love her when she needs to be loved the most? It's very, very easy to to love someone when they're loving you and everything's going good and right. you know, it's all rainbows and unicorns. Right. right? That's not when it's most needed. It's nice and it's great and it's wonderful and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not real to be in that the whole time. So having that practice of showing up when I don't want to, that's part of the art of well, sacred intimacy, of making a relationship sacred, about magnifying love in myself and in my intimate partner, like bringing that to the surface of our relationship and bringing it into conscious awareness so that I'm consciously aware in that moment, like, wow, 
okay, I need to show up now. I need to love my partner. I need to be here and hold her. And so that's bringing it to the forefront of my consciousness, my awareness. And so having a martial arts practice is practicing that, you know, two or three times a week. Having a meditation practice is practicing that daily for me. So it's like there's always a sense of practicing to be the best version of myself. And so martial arts for me helps me be a better man, helps me be a better partner, a better father, a better lover, a better everything. So there's there's so many facets to it. So very little of it is it about the kicking and the punching and the cool outfit. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to ask you when you were when you were talking about you're creating this sense of safety for your partner and your son. Um I I wanted to ask you about how does it help you create a sense of safety for yourself? Because to me, I think that's where mm. it starts. When you're feeling safe within yourself, you mm. can show up being that safe place for your partner and your and your family. Yeah, and I think you nailed it there. You said being the safe place, and it's it's being that safe place is yeah, it is for me. It is for my partner. Knowing, um, like having some thought, idea, belief, whatever that I can, you know, protect or defend or, you know, my family and keep them safe in some way brings like a sense of confidence and also brings love to the surface. Like for me as a man to be able to um, protect my family or to hold that space, it's, it feels like my gift of love or one of them, you know, to my family. So, Part of the experience of that for me is I feel like I am loving my family. I feel like I'm loving my partner. I'm loving my friends by being able to hold that um, quality in my body, that quality of, of being able to practice, you know, a martial art in, in some capacity. So did, for did me, you, it's... Go on. No, go ahead, finish. Uh, for me, it brings a sense of uh, confidence, uh-huh. uh, peace and and sense of relaxation like I find having and I'm not like a particularly skilled martial artist like I go to karate and get my ass kicked but (laughs) it's and and that's kind of fun but there's a it's it's about more than that it's a it's not about what I can do or what I can't do it's Mm -hmm. about having that that confidence like within myself that you know even approaching if there is a situation that is a is getting heated, being able to feel confident about like, oh, yeah, I can handle this. I can approach this situation being so relaxed and so calm that it can just diffuse. Whereas if I'm afraid and I'm tense and I'm agitated and I'm trying to diffuse a situation, then it's most likely going to escalate. Whereas if I'm more relaxed, the deeper I can relax into my body and approach the situation, then the less likely that it is to even be a conflict. I think one of the ironies and paradoxes of martial arts is the more you do it, the more you practice, the less you ever need to use it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because your energy has completely shifted. You know, it's like you go from, uh, and I sort of think about this, you know, when when men were the hunters and the gatherers, you know, it was either fight, fight or flight, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. And so it's either that aggression, that power over or flee, get the heck out of here. 
Um, and, and really when you, when you have, I've never done martial arts, um, but I'm a dancer. So I have, you know, a lot of body awareness and and I feel like it's sort of the same sort of thing, like really staying present in the moment, whatever's going on in your body and sort of dropping that reactivity and really, um, it's almost like you have to be an observer of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes like a, an equanimity, not needing the, the moment to be any different, whether it's tense or not tense or uh-huh. there's upheaval or, or pleasure. Like it doesn't really matter. Because how I, 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 when I was, you know, reading and sort of watching things about you and Martina to, to do some research, I, um, I, I thought about how, how did you learn what it was to be a man in the world as you were growing up? Like what messages did you receive from your own family of origin about how to show up as a man and how had those messages affected, you know, your own transformation? Mm, Yeah, right. Um, like my family, like my dad, really, really strong in integrity. Like in, you know, we were taught, you know, as, as from little boys, like you treat women well, you treat them with respect, you like, you know, you don't lie, you, you, you know, you honor your values, like, you know, truth, honesty, integrity, you show up, um, even when you don't want to, like, if you say you're going to do something, you're doing it like that was the kind of presence dad brought to the family. So he was like, he was a policeman. So, um, Ah. and he'd studied law. So he was like really strong in those qualities, but he was also very loving and gentle. There was a a softness present to him that was um, compassionate and allowed space for us to be humans, to, to be boys, to be men, to, um, to grow. He didn't hold us like to be anything in particular, like, and I think at times, like, I probably challenged him more than my brother because I'm probably in lots of ways more like my mum in terms of I'm, I'm creative and <laughs> I'm not academic at all. And he was really academic. But with that, it, the values that he instilled in us, that for me created a foundation that I could actually build on. And that was really, really powerful for intimacy and relationship because being trustable as a man is is absolutely paramount to um, creating, you know, a safe, stable, loving uh, relationship. And so I feel like I had a really solid foundation with him uh, in terms of the example that he set and how he held us, you know, to to those and how those values, I guess, were transmitted, you know, to us. It wasn't just a, a do say. It wasn't do as I say and not as I do. It was like he lived that way as well. Like he would work six or seven days a week. Like I know like my dad's values were that he did not want us to experience the childhood he did. He was 100% committed to creating the best life he could for my brother and I and he 100% did that. Like he nailed it. So just that living example of like this is what I want to do and I'm going to commit everything to it. Like working six or seven days a week, sometimes more than 12 hours a day to – yeah, to provide for our family, like that was his, that was what he wanted to do. And he did that. 
like and so he and he nailed it so it's kind of like the example that he set was as powerful if not more powerful than you know the words but he had both so for me i feel like from my family point of view i was set up really powerfully and really beautifully to 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 learn things that i needed to know without knowing i was actually learning them right mm-hmm. and so and so what what prompted your own transformation like i know that you said that you struggled in previous relationships and so yeah. how how because because even though you co- you can come from good examples you still yeah. have your own challenges and struggles absolutely to yeah yeah absolutely and so like every relationship failed up until this one which is pretty obvious and I'm, i'd like this one to not fail <laughs> it's my or intention. or you could say they were just <laughs> learning opportunities and they happened to end <laughs> yeah that's true and for me <clears throat> like um like for me like how i am as a man and how i'm hardwired it's either failure or success boom it's black and white black and white <laughs> yeah it's and and lots of, there's lots of value to that too. Even though it, it drives, I think Martina nuts at times uh-huh. <laughs> because I really, I really am black and white. Um, and so like those those, it got to a point for me with those relationships where what I recognised was that I didn't have the skills that I needed to build the relationship that I I knew or felt intuited believed like was possible Mm -hmm. and so at that point I just said right that's it no relationships study what is it that I need to learn and like previously like I'd worked as a hairdresser for 30 years so I'd spent like eight to 12 hours a day five days a week working predominantly with women so Mm -hmm. I was very sensitive Um, my feeling and intuitive capacity was well cultivated um women made sense to me like men and lots of ways men still don't make sense to me but women in lots of ways make perfect sense to me like it's Mm -hmm. there's this sense but what I did in that process is I very much emasculated like myself and I realized that as great as I could connect with people and as great as I could connect with you know with women and in relationship and in intimacy there was still something missing Mm -hmm. and so it was like how do I find this missing thing? Like what's missing? And so I sort of went on a mission to to cultivate the skills that I, I needed to actually become the man that I, you know, always wanted to be and dreamed of being, but also to be the partner that I always wanted to be and dreamed of being and create the relationship that I just felt was possible. It just like I looked around and I saw, like I saw a lot of relationships and in my whole life, I never saw one that I ever wanted to emulate or create. Mm-hmm. And that felt really sad. And I thought, I can't follow any of these societal, cultural-based structures because they just don't work. They don't work at all. And so they're not working for so many people. And currently the measure of success for a relationship is if you're married and you haven't broken up, like that's a really low bar. That's, that's more a, test a low of bar. That's a really low bar because a lot of yeah. people stay together despite awful, awful relationships. That's where I was going. Like that's that's the yeah. yardstick. But then I see the people that are still together, and I see two miserable people that are 
you know, taking opportunities to snipe and pick and dig at each other, like that's not going to cultivate love or, or uh-huh. you know, evoke the best out of a person. So it was kind of like, yeah, I need something else. I need something more. This isn't it. So I just set about studying at that point. So it became a, uh, those failed relationships as I interpret them became a, a catalyst yeah. to sort of explore deeper, explore more. What else is actually out there besides what I'm being shown in my life and in books or TV or movies or shows or whatever. Like there's just this, yeah, and the more I dove into it, the more I could see how how abusive the whole structure actually is. Like it's it's horrendous. Like it really is horrendous the way, um, you know, men and women are portrayed, the way they speak, treat each other, the the innuendo the hidden stuff that's actually happening and driving so many things that people think are authentic you know behavior or acts of love that are really just selfish you know and power hungry maneuvers or strategies in relationship like it's really um, like, like manipulations so, and hidden agendas and all hindered, those yeah. things yeah, yeah, they, and like just and just how people can undermine each other with words and the way they say things. That there's such a, you know things that are considered normal can be so so abusive. Like once once there becomes an awareness of the the subtle uh, energies of like of love or the subtle feelings and um, how important intention is and and tone and and how we speak and how we breathe and start to sort of see more and more and more and more. And then, and then it becomes like, in some ways, it's, it's really overwhelming um, the way things are because it's like, it's like, my God, like how do we, how do we shift this? Like it's, there's so much work to do here and it's kind of, um, it hurts a little bit. Like it's sad to to see that and to feel that. So it's, well, I think I think yeah. there have been lifetimes and generations of um, a lot of patriarchal ideas of power over and and valuing people differently and mm. putting um, you know societal and pers- societal cultural and personal expectations on other people that the other people never signed up for. Absolutely, yeah. So, so what did, what did you, I mean, this is, this is why your and Martina's work is so important because you are helping shift all of these paradigms Mm. of what, yeah, God, I hope so. (laughs) Right. (laughs) For, for me, you know, for me too. I mean, this is why I'm doing this podcast because these are the conversations that we need to have with each other to say, this doesn't work anymore. It hasn't worked yeah. for a long time. And there are all of these, um, there are all of these paradoxes that we're trying to manage. There are all of these expectations that we're trying to live up to that aren't really realistic. Um, there are all of these like missing pieces of this mm-hmm. big puzzle of life and love and just, um, your relationship with yourself. Yeah. So I want I wanted to ask you like because you 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 said I I felt like I was missing stuff. So I you know I went and I studied. So I want to know what 
things do you feel like you are missing and what things have you found? So sorry, the 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 internet froze. went. Okay. Yeah, I did. I didn't hear okay. a single word you said. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Um, I said what you said. Could you that, please ask me again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you talked about missing missing things. Like you didn't know what was missing, but you knew things were missing. So, what things were missing, and yeah. what things have you found? Okay, so what was missing was my understanding of what. Uh, of what it means to be a man, but also like the understanding what, you know, masculine qualities are. And that's what was missing. So qualities like the capacity for, you know, leadership, um, direction, uh, you know, presence, purpose. Like there was, there was qualities that were, like I think for me, like specifically because I worked as a hairdresser, I saw so much, you know, abuse uh, and so much, you know, so many, so much damage that's been caused by by men. And so there was a sense of like shutting down and all, you know, anything about myself that was masculine, I guess is the, the word I want to use, but like, that's such a, a tricky word to use. So, yeah. um, for lots of reasons, because there's so much around the whole masculine feminine conversation and I don't want to pollute the environment, but uh, the, the, the qualities that were missing were specifically masculine qualities. And because of, I'd seen so much of that, I'd shut down anything in myself that I thought was, you know, masculine, in, in that capacity that was, it felt like, it, like to me, like working as a, a man with, with women, it was, it kind of felt like almost that it was like offensive to be a man. It was like a, it was like a, you know, I want to hide. Leave my, leave, yeah. It's like sort of shrink down and just be like, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like other men. Well, I've never was like other men anyway. I never really, fitted into a specific box but it was kind of a sense of that it's not okay to be a man men are bad you know men are patriarchal they dominate and control and they do all these bad horrendous things so there was a sense in me with that that I certainly didn't want to be any of those things but there's also a lot of really um beautiful qualities that men have and uh, capacities that are just shamed at this point in our time and in our culture but there's ways to actually wield those swords with love so that they're actually of service and that was what was missing was the the awareness of of like how do I show up and be a man in the world without being a macho dick and I also don't want to be like the super feminine guy that friend zones himself all the time and is you know emotional and weak and wet and floppy and untrustable so right. how do I do that dance between the two? And so to do that dance means I need to be able to embrace all those other qualities and to embody them in a way that is authentic and true but that magnifies love. Like there's plenty of ways that, that men can show up in the world and be a man and use traditional masculine qualities in 
beautiful ways that actually serve and help our partners to experience more love. So it was a lack of awareness of my own uh, ability to to show up and actually be a man, to trust myself, to know that I'm not going to do the wrong thing. That's all I really ever needed is to to recognize that part of me. And so once that happened, then I could start and I was willing to embody and embrace those parts of myself. Then I could explore being a whole man instead of just aspects or parts. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? <clears throat> yes, it, it makes perfect sense to me because I, f- I feel like women do the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, for other, okay. as- for other aspects. It's like, men, you're only allowed to show up um, in, in the parts that are ex- acceptable, quote unquote. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so there's, there's, I don't know, there's so much shaming of men, men's sexual desire, masculine qualities, like, you know, it's even you know, yeah, opening a door for a woman. Like that's a beautiful thing to do for anybody. But anybody. then all of a sudden it's like, oh, should I be doing that? I don't know what I'm meant to be doing anymore. Like that's spam. I've been right. a chauvinist. Like am I disempowering right. her? Like right. so it's really diluted and, and polluted. So men, what I experience is they go, oh, that's bad, so I won't do it. So right. they don't do anything. So it's just like, oh. No, I won't do that. I won't do that. And they just start right. cutting bits and pieces off. Right. And then end up lost, not knowing, well, they don't like me when I'm sensitive and feeling. They don't like me when I'm being a, a man. It's like they don't know what to do and end up lost in between. But there's ways to walk that path authentically and lovingly without without getting lost in that way, without having to cut aspects off. It's like there's... You know, anything can be used and anything can be abused. And so right. it's learning to, you know, to to show up and, and love and be that man. And sometimes it is going to hurt and sometimes it isn't going to work, but the outcome's not so much the, the point. The point is more like showing up authentically and lovingly. And if it's not received or it's not wanted, that's okay too. Like it doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. person doesn't want you to open the door for them close the door so good but men tend to not do that yeah i i you said something i don't even remember i don't even know if you remember saying this but you said wield the sword yep in love in loving service and i just i just thought isn't it sort of a military saying that's to to serve honor and protect to serve, I think it is a military saying. So I, 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 I feel like that's the part of the man, of the masculine, yeah. that yeah. that's what makes um, your partner. And and I'm talking about heteronormative, you know, because this is my experience. That's um, my experience too. Yeah. To yeah. to serve, honor, and protect. That's where you create the ultimate sense of safety because you are stepping fully in your own power. To, to make sure that you're a safe container and that you show up as a safe container for your partner. And so yeah. as long, you know, because I think a lot of people, they have intentions are not enough. You can say, well, my intentions were good, but the way that you showed up was not making me feel safe, honored and protected. Yeah. And so and so I feel like 
all of these aspects of us, you know, both masculine and feminine, they both have um, light aspects and shadow aspects, you know, they're sort of good or I don't, I don't like to label good or bad, but, you know, more challenging, uh, more challenging aspects and, you know, more acceptable aspects. And, um, you know, this is, this is the part of men showing up because I, I feel like a lot of times because, because all of these messages are mixed for all of us. Right. So we're, Mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to, to figure out, um, what serves the highest love? Yeah. What serves, you know, my highest potential? How can I show up as my best possible self? How can I show up for my partner as my best possible self? Instead of mm-hmm. all of the, all of the, you know, shadowing, triggering aspects that don't make mm-hmm. any of us feel safe or secure or loved or accepted. I feel like this is all of the parts that we are trying to um, bring to light. Yeah. 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 And it's a tricky time to bring those to light because of the whole conversation. And I can't talk intelligently to the whole patriarchal conversation, but because of the history of men being so abusive Mm -hmm. and controlling and domineering, you know, over women, over people in in general. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a very tricky and sensitive time to actually talk about embodying the qualities of that, the strength, because there's so much reaction on the other side of that. But there, there really is lots of beautiful qualities that, you know, women are really missing out on a lot in men and men are missing out on a lot in men by not. Um, being willing to those areas or to recognize that there is a lot more like going on, that there is a lot more at play, but it's also not being taught. Like, you know, God, you, I had to train for four years to not for four years. I went to a school, but the, there was a, you can, you're training for four years in an apprenticeship to be like a, a hairdresser or a plumber. Or it's, you know, we don't have even any study for like relationship or intimacy or how to be a man or how to be a, a woman or how to, you know, show up in the world in, in any form of relationship, no matter what the, the gender structure is. And so there's a sense that we're fumbling in the dark in probably one of the most important parts of our life. Cause it's that, that actually creates more life. Right. So right. that's like, we're paying so much attention attention to so many things and there are so little value in comparison to like that creative connection that we we have with another person that we bring life into the world with and so I think like to do that we need teachers and there is people out there there is some really amazing like leaders out there in the the love and sexuality space but it needs to be across the board Mm -hmm. so many people have learned from Bad teachers. Their family. Yeah, their family or the television. Like there's, you know, I've seen so many people mimic characters from television shows that they watch. Like I've been in relationships like with partners who just watch a series of television shows and would at different times embody those characters con- like constantly. And it was, it was really interesting to watch. It's like, wow, you're actually learning how to be a person, a human from this television show. And it's a, it's a sitcom and it was like that's not good 
Yeah. That's really not good. Like that's so You're just being a character. Yeah. Yeah. And animating such unhealthy concepts and ideas and relationships that are quite, you know, the there's just there's yeah, there's uh, I don't even know where to start with it. It's just yeah, it's sad. Well, so how do you teach your son? What it how is do I teach to him a, to be a man? To be a man. Um, my son's 18 now, so he is a man. Um, he's a beautiful young man too. Like um, I teach him to be loving and respectful, to trust his gut and his intuition, so to embody what I would call like his own feminine qualities, so to encourage him and create space for his feelings for him to express his emotions and to share and talk if he chooses to, Mm -hmm. or also respect his desire for space and to solitude and to process in in his own way. Uh, For me, teaching him about integrity, like what it means to actually show up, you know, for himself, for, for his partner, like if he's got a girlfriend, like, and how to, how important it is to, to, think about what it is he's going to say and then when he says it follow through with it like the importance of don't creating just, don't just say what's in your mind it's like hmm, wait a second maybe i need to take some space because i might not say some things that will be very helpful to this situation yeah definitely like um the brain's an interesting thing like at the core of it it's it's designed primarily to keep us alive right so survival well, survival survival yeah, one of the things I've learned. Fight or from, flight. Yeah, yeah. And our brain has this amazing capacity to create what one of my teachers calls afflictive emotions. And we can think ourselves into an emotional frenzy. Like uh-huh. um, I spoke to a friend recently and he's, you know, one of his insecurities is his partner's having, you know, an affair. But like they've got three kids. She's exhausted. She just wants to be on the couch on her own. There's no way that she's doing that. But he, you know, his experience was that, you know, he would think himself into a frenzy if he didn't get what he thought that he needed in the, the relationship, mm-hmm. which is, um, you know, it really highlights like our brain survival instinct. It's really quite primal and it will create those scenarios for us to feel and act on to, to be safe to make sure that we're okay, that we're not going to get hurt, that we're not going to die. So our brain does all these crazy, interesting things. But then at some point, if we practice meditation, at some point we get to be, like you brought up before, that witness and go, okay, well, here's me and here's my body and my brain and it's doing this and begin to experience it from that place. And so then there becomes an awareness over the body of like, oh, I'm afraid right now. I feel heat rising up through my belly, through the front of my body. I can feel these sensations. And so bringing awareness, consciousness to the sensations in the body and being curious about them rather than reacting to them. Whereas if I feel anger rising and I react to it, I'm going to yell and scream and have a tantrum and do whatever I do when I'm angry. So, but if I'm conscious that, oh, there's the sensation of anger and there's the tingles and the heat and the, the tension and the frustration and okay, yeah, I can feel all those things in my body. And what, what, how do I want to be in this moment? What do I want to bring to this moment? Like how can I show up to this moment as best I can? So, and that doesn't mean not failing, but it means doing my best version of animating and creating more love in that moment by 
um, not reacting to whatever yeah. sensations are happening in my body. And so many reactions are habitual and unconscious. Yeah. And like one of, one of the inquiries that I've been making like over the last few months for myself has been like, what if every part of who I am that I consider to be an authentic part of me was created from either fear or protection? And I know there's similar qualities there, but they're slightly different textures. And so I've been exploring like even like I'll feel I'll be having a conversation and I'll feel the desire arise to make a joke. And it's like, why do I want to make that joke? Ah, there's a bit of discomfort sitting under there with this moment with whatever this conversation is. Like, what if I just allow myself to experience discomfort for a minute? Okay. Oh, I feel vulnerable. Mm. Ah, I feel vulnerable. So I want to deflect. Mm. So is the humor that I have authentic or is it deflecting? Is it protecting me? Is it me reacting to the fear of being vulnerable? And so, exploring authenticity, exploring what's actually sitting under these habitual impulses. And when our habits are created unconsciously, we wake up one day we're going, who am I? How did I get here? Why am I even here? I don't like any of this. I don't like my life. I don't like this job. This partner doesn't suit me. What, what am I doing? I, I and, don't even like myself. Yes. Yeah, I don't even like myself. And that's yeah. because you know we cr- often create our life from that unconscious habitual reactive place. And so rather than choosing our behaviors because they're in alignment with our beliefs and our values and we want to create more love, we're reacting to, to fear and to protection. And, and from that place, we end up walking a path that we don't really choose. We just unconsciously react, 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 react until we end up somewhere going, oh, my God, right? who am I and what? the hell am I doing? Cause this is not who I want to be. Like, right. like I've had that experience like more than once in my life. Like I really needed a cricket bat to the face to really wake up. It's like, oh, yeah. what am I doing? Like, you know, I hate myself. And so, and I've been in that place like several times in my life. And so, and it was through that process though, that I realized that I could consciously create, you know, who I am just by becoming more aware of the, the subtle feelings that are sitting underneath the impulses and the habits. And it's a very subtle exploration, but it's a beautiful exploration to, to start just starting these inquiries and having the intention is enough to create massive change uh, in like in a person's life. But starting to explore these impulses, all of a sudden we can start to rather than react, we can choose the what the words, the behavior, the actions, whatever's coming up or arising that's in alignment. Like if, you know, if, if truth, honesty, integrity, and love are, are my values, then, you know, yelling and screaming and carrying on isn't really in alignment with that. But if I can go, oh my God, I am so angry and reactive right now and say to my partner, I love you so much, but I feel so angry and reactive right now. I don't know what to do. I don't feel safe. Like, that's a very different response and that evokes yes. a very different response for my partner. Like, oh, yes. really? Okay, let's just take a couple of seconds. Boom, whole new conversation is going to come from that. There's all of a sudden love being exchanged because my partner's offering me that love, eating compassion of like, ah, oh, you feel unsafe. Okay, what, what's happening for you? It's like, oh, okay, well, 
And then we start exploring that. And so then what that does is that that opens us both up to feel more safe. It's like, oh, okay, I'm angry right now and frustrated and you're loving me. You're bringing love to me, compassion, empathy, support. Like this is when I'm most needed. And so it's like what we were talking about at the start of the call about showing up when we don't want to. And it's like, you know, in that moment, I would much rather act angrily than say, oh, my God, I feel so angry and, you know, actually live vulnerably in that moment by expressing like how I feel and that I feel unsafe. And so, yeah, it's that when we start consciously building from that place, we start choosing behaviors that are in alignment with our value system. And, and what that does is that starts to consciously direct us in where we want to go in the world and in life and starts to create the human that we desire to be, whatever that is, rather than unconsciously, habitually, randomly ending up somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's completely, respond learning to respond rather than react Mm -hmm. but you talked about so many layers along the way you know it's slowing down it's really going inward and sort of listening to what's happening in your body to give you clues about what it might be you know because because you have all these triggers right and and those those are what cause the automatic habitual reactions and you have to slow down enough and say this is how I normally would react but how do I want to respond you know who do I want to be in this moment what do I want to um what do I need to learn what do I need to be aware of um what do I need to share how can I connect? And because each, each situation can be an opportunity to either help the relationship or cause harm to the relationship, you know? So is what I'm doing in this moment, is this going to be helpful for me, for you, for us or not? Mm. And so it, it really takes the accountability and responsibility all on you because you can can say, you know, well, you did this or you made me feel, or you made me react or you, you, you. And it's like, wait a minute, what's going on for me? How am I showing up? What, what, who do I want to be in this moment? And it's, Mm. you, you talked about um, either fear or protection and mm-hmm. and i i often say you know fear or love because it's mm-hmm. sort of one or the other it's moving me towards mm-hmm. uh towards whom i want to be you know my highest version of myself or that mm-hmm. lower reptilian fight or flight mm-hmm. um but this is this i mean these are huge conversations rod because kids yeah, like, you know most adults don't, surface. Yeah, most yeah. adults don't know how to do this <clears throat> and oh. so how do you teach your children how to do this yeah. you know and, yeah. and this is this is where that responsibility and accountability i mean i know i have been a big monster many times and with my kids and my ex yeah. um and i would always you know after the whole aftermath 
I would come and say, yeah. oh my gosh, I did not react in a way that I wanted to, you know, I, mm. I want to take responsibility for it. I'm so sorry. Um, yep. you know, I need forgiveness and, you know, help me. This is something that I'm working with. I mean, it's all about coming back to you and slowing down that process. It is. Yeah. And like, I think like one of the, the greatest gifts we've been given as humans, one of, one of many, but is, um, triggers. Triggers mm-hmm. are a beautiful thing <clears throat> because they're a like, gift. <laughs> they, well, they are like for me, uh, what I, my exploration around triggers was that what I, I started to realize at some point when I was quite young, well, when I say quite young, like in my twenties, um, I'm 47 now. I'm really close to 50. It, it, it shits me. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out. <laughs> um, it's so, yeah. 30. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, so when I think about, like, when I was, what I started to realize is the things that I was pissed off about that my partner was doing or doing to me, uh-huh. um, I realized that I did. And so then I, my, my inquiry into that became, like, Every time I was pissed off about anything, it's like, how do I do that? Where do I do that in my life? And what I found was that every time I was angry about anything, I'd do it in some area of my life. And quite often it was in different ways, so it was harder to spot. But as soon as I found it, my body would relax. Um, I would feel a sense of relief. And that person that was doing whatever they were doing, when they did it, after that, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel angry. It didn't bother me at all. So it was kind of like I, it became a, a really uh, huge inquiry in my life as to this, you know, being angry. Like every, every time I'm pissed off about something, I, would, I still do it now. I inquire, how do I do this? Where am I doing this? And as soon as I find it, I feel that release. And then the beautiful part is then I don't need my partner to do anything mm-hmm. to about that it's completely like my own process I can talk to her about that mm-hmm. and say like I and I will I'll come and say I feel really angry about this you know xyz but I can't see where I do it in my life can you help me mm-hmm. and like so then we'll we'll explore it together but there hasn't been a single situation there I've got angry about something that I haven't done that in some area in my life so you know, if you're listening to this and you do feel triggered by your partner, I would highly encourage you to to make that inquiry of like, how do I do that? Because for me, what came from that was freedom, that people are no longer doing things to me. Like it's mm-hmm. neither here nor there, but people do. Uh, if I'm pissed off about it, it's like guaranteed that I'm doing it somewhere. If I direct my attention to that, make the corrections that I need to make for myself, I find that I'm released from the triggering or reactivity of, of that behavior or comment or whatever it is. Do but, you do you yeah. think that those triggers are um, are ways in which previous times in your life you either felt unsafe or insecure or abandoned or not taken care of or not acknowledged or honored or respected? I mean. I think it's like I need like all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like a lot of them can be like passed down through family with complete 
unawareness. Yeah. Like um, it's, yeah, like in working in the relationship and, and sexuality space, like it's kind of like if, if you're a baby in a room and, you know, mom and grandma are there and a man walks in the room and mom or grandma's being abused and they go like this and clench, tighten up, it's like <gasps> man in the room, like the baby's going to sit there and learn clench when a man walks in the room, clench when I'm working and then yeah. you know, go through its life attracting men that are abusive because the that energetic clench, that tension, like oh. around, you know, say around men, it's like, I, and I use this example in our workshops a lot, but if say it's for a woman, if she's walking down the street, if she's confident, she's sexually alive, there's something that feels really big and powerful about her. Uh-huh. And it's, I personally find that very attractive, but that um, it's kind of like that's one quality of energy. If the woman who's been like, you know, abused and is terrified is walking down the street, she's shrunken down and small. And I know you can't see me because this is a podcast, but imagine me shrinking down. Yeah. The kind of man that's attracted to the woman who's shrunken down and terrified and scared is very, very different to the man who's attracted to that expansive, powerful woman Mm -hmm. because a man who wants to control and dominate a woman is never going to control and dominate a powerful, expansive woman walking. Mm -hmm. Like that's not going to happen. So he's going to be like, yeah, I'm not going there. That's too hard. Oh, he's a woman. She's, yeah, that's what I want. So there's that, that attracts like a predator almost. Does that make sense? It's Mm -hmm. like a wounded animal or Mm -hmm. if you're a wounded fish, the shark's Mm -hmm. coming straight in for it. So they're very different energies, very, very different qualities, but they can be cultivated from childhood without awareness. So without those uh, trauma things that you said, and then we, we can roll through life wondering why we attract all these things. And it can be from something that we've cultivated from birth that we were never even aware of. Mm-hmm. And, so, and those things can be worked with and unraveled and worked with absolutely 100%. That's what we do. Um, but there's lots of people that are sadly walking around having these lives that they don't know why they're having them, being triggered or being reactive or having these responses that they've done it their whole life and they have no idea why and they can't remember what it was that created it. And not, they'll never know because it was they were a baby at the time. So, like, there's, there's lots of ways that we can work with people to help support that. There is lots of people walking around going, this isn't my life. This I don't understand why this keeps mm-hmm. happening. I can't make it stop everything I do. I change my thoughts and it doesn't make any difference. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's really sad. But there's a yes, all those things can create those triggers and they can actually be created without any awareness of all. Just being around people that behave in particular ways, we can begin to embody those behaviors without even being aware that we're embodying them and start attracting in you know, all the wrong people. Or if you're lucky, all the right people. Yeah. So if, I mean, I think that's why it's so important. I mean, this is this is one of the things that was really, uh, that has always been very important in my life is my own personal growth and evolution. And I know that's really important to you as well. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> so how do you, how do you help people who are stuck and know that something's that- missing? know that something's yeah. missing but don't know where to go or what to do or where to turn or how to do it? Um, it's actually really easy. Like the process is much simpler than people think. 
people think that you, know, you can go to a psychologist and help unravel you know unhealthy patterns in the brain and emotions and stuff like that but quite often that doesn't create the change people are hoping for it's kind of doing it in reverse you actually need to change the body first and then the emotions and the mental will sort of follow suit whereas if you do it the other way around you won't get a full embodied change like things will change but not much and the people will have a sense of like god i've moved so far forward from where i was but i'm not where i want to be and mm-hmm. so the the easiest way in my mind to create effective, powerful and permanent change is to change a person's body because then it's sort of, it's changing from the inside out. Like if I, like I could do it right now with you, like even for people listening to this, but I'm going to start breathing really shallow and I want you to just notice what happens to your body when I tense my body. So I'm tensing the front of my body now and I'm breathing really shallow and can you hear and feel the tension in my voice? Uh-huh. How does your body respond to this? Like, does yeah, it relax I, I, no, or does I feel it tighten tight, up? Yeah, I feel a tightness feel in my tense, as well. Feel that uh-huh. tension? Uh-huh. All right. So now, like, how much do you trust me right now? Not much? Not, not so much. Not so much, right? So I'm about to change my breath. So, so now I'm breathing into my belly. I've relaxed the front of my body. My voice actually sounds like it's dropped down yes so i've dropped down into my body how do you feel in your body now as i'm talking to you do you more notice relaxed. any changes more relaxed your body feels more relaxed so straight away you're going to respond to me different because your body's more relaxed because i'm more relaxed so by helping people become aware of what's happening like you know somatically in their body mm-hmm. in their breath particularly the breath mm-hmm. um that's that's going to help them create change. So we work with them on all the levels, but by working with breath, posture, um, relaxation, releasing trauma and tension held in the body, as well as that you know psychological and emotional aspect, that's how we work with people to create a more permanent change. But for me, it has to start in the body first because if it hasn't changed in the body at some point, the the habits and the patterns will come back because we're going to attract the same conversations, evoke the same responses from people and just keep meeting the same challenges over and over and over again. Like you talk to people that are struggling, it's always the same thing, just keeps happening to them. But once we start to make changes like in the body surf, they're like, oh, okay, I hold tension in, you know, my chest or breasts and in my belly and my genitals or my hips. So, like, I'm going to relax that. I'm talking to this person and I'm going to relax my body, relax my body, relax my body. And all of a sudden, they start attracting in new people, different conversations, different experiences, and that creates massive shifts because that all of a sudden means, you know, they don't have to manage reacting to these comments anymore, but they're not even happening. They've got these new people in their life. So it starts to, like, if, for me, if I change like any small things about myself, the whole my whole life just like pivots on an axis to yeah. change yeah. immediately. So yeah, it's I like think, you're, you're, you change your trajectory and everything yeah. changes along with it. Yeah. And like for me, like as a human, like so many of my experiences throughout my life, I haven't had the awareness or capacity to process fully. Mm-hmm. which means like they don't just vaporize and disappear. They're stored somewhere in my body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I've got tension in my hips, 
there's some kind of stored or lockdown emotion in there. Now, by learning to relax that, I don't need to know what that is, but quite often what will happen is a series of emotions or feelings will arise, you know, from that relaxation. All of a sudden, that tension's not trying to hold whatever it is in place. It relaxes. Something lets go. And so then as that comes up, like teaching people to allow themselves to feel what's present and just to stay with it because an emotion is just energy in motion. It wants to move. It wants to move. It does not want to stay there. So feel it. It might last like anywhere between, I don't know, 30 seconds and a couple of minutes and it will go. But once it's felt fully, then what I find is that that is a huge part of the healing process. Once it's felt fully, then it's released from the body. It's no longer there to come up again. So then it can be talked about and processed and understood like from a psychological point of view and Uh then released and then we have permanent change. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like you you have to release the charge that it has in your body Uh, first. So that's why karate or dance or walking or climbing or any kind of movement helps get you out of your head and back just into your energetic field. Yeah, yeah. And it will, like, I always encourage, like, you know, men or women, if they're, one, to have a daily practice, like, that's imperative. If you're not practicing training for your relationship, it's never going to be where you want it to be. Uh You wouldn't rock up and try and run a country with no experience or run a company. It's ridiculous. So you've got to practice, you've got to train. So, but movement and meditation with the two things that are really, really powerful pivotal transformational tools and I've heard it so many times in my life and I remember thinking oh what a load of shit what is sitting on a cushion going to do and (laughs) what is moving going to do right and it's like I totally get that but it's not until like for me until I did it long enough so you do it yeah and also had to be aware of the subtleties that were changing Uh like subtle subtle is significant and it's a, like what the, my meditation teacher often says, subtle is significant. And it's a beautiful, beautiful saying because it's those little subtle things. You add up three or four subtle things that are changing, you've got a whole new relationship on your hands. Yeah. So learning to be sensitive and aware of the subtleties that are available to us is really, really important. But until we get still enough, we can't feel those. Yeah. So if we've just been like watching television on Facebook, Instagram, and whatever other things, having people, a drink, having a drink, their minds are, are busy and distracted. Yeah. You know, there, there's a, you know, they're avoiding avoiding, you know, yeah, kind of avoiding or numbing or yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, and sometimes those things can be really great coping strategies if life's really overwhelming and like anything else, they can just totally destroy your life. But once people start to get still enough, and this is why meditation is important, then we can feel the sensitivity and the subtlety of what's actually happening in the moment, like in our own bodies. The more we can feel in our own bodies emotionally and sensitivity-wise, the more we can actually feel and intuit what's happening in somebody else's body. Mm -hmm. Like our body has mirror neurons that run down the front of our body. And this is science, not esoteric stuff. I can't speak intelligently to it. But but basically, like before, when I was in front of you and I relaxed my body and relaxed my breath, you said your body relaxed. Yeah. So even though 
where like on Zoom, we're still having that experience. If I tense my body, your body's going to feel tense. So there's that, that relaxation. But we have to get still enough to be able to feel those things, to be aware that they're there. And they are available to anyone who's willing to take that, that journey. But life sort of, our culture leads us in the opposite direction. Everything's about distraction and mm-hmm. trying to get your attention. So mm-hmm. when our attention is in all those places, our attention is not in our bodies. It's not in our partner's bodies. It's not feeling what's happening in our own body, feeling what's happening in there, feeling what's happening in our relationship. And there's so many beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things for us to experience when we get still. Like, yes, we can feel the subtleties of emotions and feelings that are in our body, some of that we may not feel, but to the extent that that rises, so does pleasure (laughs) and so does love. And so then, you know, we become more sensitive, we feel more, that does bring more hurt and more pain, but then the sensation of love and and joy and connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more fulfilling and the, the value that starts to come from that. The other things begin, like for me, I wanted them to fall away. I didn't have to make them fall away. I just didn't want to do them anymore because it really takes so much away from my life. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to, to give that away. I don't want to take that away from my life. I want to create that, that love, that intimacy, that depth, like with my partner and not have my mind distracted by trivial, mediocre crap. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think that's, I think that is the thing that you have to be willing to dive with in your own depth and your own feelings, you know, because so, so many people just try to avoid feeling at all, you know, it's just that whole numbing. I, I don't want to acknowledge my feelings. They're too painful or it's too difficult or it's too challenging. I don't know how to deal with them. And mm-hmm. it's really like giving yourself permission to have your full human experience. We are feeling creatures. We are energetic people. And this is how you experience both your humanity and your divinity. You know, it's having the full yeah. spectrum um, at your yeah. fingertips, as long as you're willing to slow down and be present with all of them, because each of them, whether they're more light or shadow, they all give us gifts. You know, even yeah. the, the triggers are gifts. And, and absolutely, and the massive how, gifts. Yeah. How can we show up more uh, and experience giving and receiving more love? How can we show up? as the fullest expression of our greatest potential unless we experience the all of who we are. Yeah, that's right. I think we're not taught to do that though. We're not Mm -hmm. taught to feel at the level that we can. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it's unknown to -hmm. people. So you can tell people about how amazing it is, but it's just, empty words if they don't have an experience to relate it to so it's yeah. a it's a hard thing to teach it's a, in terms of that like in, culturally it would need to be taught across the board but i think inherently as humans there's a sense for me that we fear that which we don't know right. and because that's unknown there's there's no tendency to um in 
to lean into fear, which is, you know, it, I feel historically there was in the past in lots of ways, like physically, like exploring the world and, and that, but now exploring our own inner world seems to yeah. be like a, there's pioneers out there for sure. Uh, but there's also, you, there's also for instance. a lot more people running from that. <laughs> yeah, true. I guess. Yeah. I'm definitely one of them, but there's, um, there's, there's so much running away from that and so little um, awareness around the beauty that's there. But I think in terms of the leaders in our society, and by leaders I mean anyone from, you know, politicians to famous movie stars or people that people look up to, there's in those spaces I don't see people modelling that. Mm-hmm. So people don't get to feel it. Because what I find if people see something and feel something, that's very, very powerful, probably more powerful than, than talking about it. Oh, yeah. And so until our leaders are embodying, you know, love, sacred intimacy, like to, to bring um, those truths forward to be felt and experienced by the, the general public, then, then people aren't going to know what's available. It's only in when you go seeking that you start to find yeah. really what's available out there. And like um, it's, I think, yeah, whilst like when I look at like here in Australia and our politicians, it's like kindergarten. They're yeah. arguing and yelling at each other and right. talking over each other and abusing each other and calling them names and being underhanded, untrustable. Like what they're being shown as the, the leaders, you know, of our country is just, it's pathetic. It's such a, a terrible, terrible example of how to be a human being and particularly how to be a man. Yeah. Um, and so it's, I think when these uh, other options for men and women uh, in relationship are starting to be modeled and people can feel that, they're going to, as soon as they see it, feel it like in the relationship space, like where Ma- Martina and I work, it's like, yeah, I want that. How do I, yeah. what do I have to do? I'll do yep. whatever it takes. Yep. And so there's a, there's, there is plenty of people out there doing it, but it needs to be modeled by the hierarchy of our culture. The leaders of, of the world need to be modeling, you know, how to magnify love, how to show up for relationship, how to show up as a man, how to show up and, and lead the country. Like how do you, how do you do that in a way that magnifies and creates a loving nation that's behind you and supports you. Like yeah. that can be done, but not by the current, you know, monkeys that are that are doing these things. So yeah. it's um yeah, I think when that happens, then it's um across the board, it's a it's it would be embraced uh way more fully than what it is at the moment. But I think because subtle feelings and 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 energies and emotions uh, that can be felt in the body is such an internal process um it has to be felt talking about it's almost redundant yeah if, even though we're talking about it yeah and but- we're still only just skimming the surface of tiny little topics like we there's so much stuff we could actually dive into around this but yeah. these yeah. these are i guess what challenges people so if this is what's challenging people that's where you know for me we need to meet them but there's so much more so much like i participate and see conversations that will never actually be had in the world which is just a shame because the world's not ready for it and it's just it's sad but there's some amazing conversations out there there's some amazing things happening in the love intimacy sex and relationship space and there is some there's some beautiful 
beautiful teachers out there and it's just yeah it's a real shame that it's just not everywhere well it's, I feel it's like people it's, are craving it it's going to be because people feel the disconnect and when they yeah. feel the authenticity and the connection everybody wants some of that you know yeah. so that's why these conversations are so important because mm. because you can feel the connection and the um and the the magnitude of how it can change your whole way of living you know your Absolutely. your whole way of living the way you feel about yourself the way you relate to your partner the way you re- relate to people around you when you have your own presence and you bring that presence to other people it really is a gift of love and service and honoring you know both you and me and the planet as a whole it's a beautiful Absolutely. thing rod it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing so yeah. thank you for doing that with me today <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, I know. I'm taking up all your time. Sorry. No, no. I I, I was just up. thinking. Oh, you got to go to karate soon. <laughs> I do. Yeah, um, I've got thirty minutes. Okay. How my last my last question that I ask every guest is: How do you define real love? Because that's what this is all about. Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting question. It depends on like what's the context that you're asking it? Like there's so many, like love in lots of ways is such a polluted word. I love my friends. I love pizza. I love the dog. Like I love my intimate partner. Love flows through me. So like love can be like anything. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so, how, do you, so how do you define it? <sighs> and whatever context is most meaningful you meaningful to you in this moment. Okay. For me, love, for me, love is something that happens. Like it's something that moves through me. It's something that's beyond what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I have in some ways even the right to even talk about love, but at the same time, I talk about it all the time. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, love is something that we can experience. For me, it's something that moves through us, but it's something that's bigger than a human or bigger than the human experience. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think love is something that we can we can create, that we can be a part of. Perhaps is a, a better way of saying it. It's something that we can allow to be present in our lives and the lives of those around us if we're willing to do what it takes to allow it to move through us. Mm-hmm. That's. Yeah, that's probably my best description today. So it's a, it's an allowance. It's so many things, but yeah, it's 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 something we can allow to move through our bodies. It's something that we can be a part of cultivating or creating, but I don't think it's a particular thing either. It's right. like love is it's so big. So many things. It, it yeah, it's so many things at at once and in 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 lots of ways like you know you could say the whole world is is love because love isn't just like the rainbows and unicorns it is the dark it is the shadow because i i think you touched on it before we learn so much from that mm-hmm. we grow so much and because of that we can allow more love to move through us we can be more loving human beings but i think i think love like to to love as a human is the the radical acceptance of 
the person, the moment of everything exactly as it is. And so if it was love in a relationship, it's radically accepting your partner exactly as they are and not needing them to be any different. And sometimes like that, that person is behaving in a way that hurts or is uncomfortable or is, is there might be stuck or in a story or raging or whatever, but how do you show up and still allow that person to be exactly as they are and love them when they're like that? Mm-hmm. So that radical acceptance of someone as they are would be you know, an example of what I think love is in, you know, a, a human relationship. It's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Thanks. It's also really hard to practice. <laughs> Well, then that's why you have to do your meditation and your body work and your own practice so that you can show up in that way and help help others show up in that way as well. Yeah. What an amazing conversation. I want to have many, many more of these, Rod. We can have more conversations. (laughs) That's not a problem. There's so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Thank you so much for being here with me today. You're it's welcome. Really it's been my pleasure. An honor and a gift. Yeah. Thank you. How Thank so you. how do how do people get in touch with you and find out more about your work? Um it's sorry, Martinez is telling me you've got ten minutes. Yeah. So, uh, if, if just let Dawn know I'll give her ten minutes to reset yeah. before I jump online. All right, we're still to... talking on the call. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, thank you. Um, she wanted you to know that she would give you 10 minutes to reset it if you Thank want to. Thank you. Um, so people can get in contact with me. Um, I do have a, a website like so and uh, like rodgordon.com and email info at rodgordon.com or through my partner's uh, business, um, Tantric Blossoming, which they can Google yeah. online. Yeah. Lots of yeah. great, um, lots of great ideas, articles, videos. I mean, so much beautiful material to help people become more and more aware. Um, Yeah. So everybody. I think Martina's site definitely has the most resources. So that would be tantricblossoming.com.au. Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll put them in the show notes for sure. Um, And also, so I know that, I mean, these are the conversations that I want to have. This is what I want to share with the world. Um, mm-hmm. And so please, uh, for all of the listeners, please subscribe and share with your friends. I welcome any comments or questions, things that you want to know more about, things that you would like uh, to explore more, you know, because these help me come up with more things to talk about, more conversations to have, um, because this is all about um, the bottom line is the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. That is why this work, you know, your own development and self, uh, your own personal growth is so important so that you can show up for yourself and create that sense of safety and um, love and honor, you know, both for yourself and for your partner. So if anyone would like more support and help in creating more real love in your life. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at the awakening with Dawn. Um, and I look forward to having um, our conversation with Martina uh, next week. And, um, and I look forward to having many, many more conversations with both of you, Rod. You're 
beautiful, beautiful man. And you bring so much um, goodness and strength and authenticity and vulnerability. Um, to me, you seem like this amazing balance of both masculine and feminine. So I thank you for showing up in the world as you, as you do and as you are. Thank you, Rod. Wow. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, uh, every day, wake up to more real love. Take care and we'll see you next time. Bye.